Hi guys, Arts and Danilians here and welcome to another episode of Danilians Ventures podcast. Today I have Adrian from Simple Analytics and I think it's going to be a really good episode because we have a founder, you know, a startup founder, uh, just doing his thing, creating something really interesting, but in very crowded space. So I want to, you know, ask Adrian, why did he decide to create analytics software when there are so many other options? And, impor and most importantly for me, you know, how's it been, how, you know, the company started and so forth. But enough of me, Adrian, thank you very much for being here. Yeah, thanks for the invite. And uh, yeah, I'm very glad I'm here. Thank you. Thank you very much. So could you tell a little bit about yourself? So you're in Netherlands, right? In Amsterdam? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so I'm living now in Amsterdam. Um, I like to travel a lot. So as a nomad, but uh, yeah, you know, that's not <laughs> going to happen anytime soon. Yeah, yeah um, unfortunate. That is unfortunate, but yeah, there's uh, there's worse things that can happen to your life. So I'm uh, I'm pretty lucky still. Yeah. Um, and I live here with my girlfriend, um, and I'm pretty happy with uh, with the city. Uh, there's so much to do, and uh, yeah, I'm really in love with uh, where I live. Yeah. So um, are you originally from Amsterdam? Um, no, I'm from the south of the Netherlands. From a little village, uh, a village that nobody knows, so I won't uh, name it here. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's where I'm original from, and um, and then when I was like around 18, um, I thought like, okay, let's let's get the heck out of here, and let's go to the city. So I went to uh, the Hague, Utrecht, and uh, and finally in uh, Amsterdam. All right. So. Um, how do you like it there in Amsterdam? Is the startup community good? You know, do you have like-minded people? Because I kind of feel like Amsterdam is a startup hub in a way. You know, there is so much interesting stuff going on. I used to travel, good old times. Have been in, you know, in Amsterdam. So many co-working offices. You know, like a good vibe. I think. Obviously, I think a lot of people who haven't been in Amsterdam know it for other reasons you know especially <laughs> yeah. maybe north america when you know they haven't been exposed to the startup community in netherlands but uh, how do you feel city-wise you know for your startup um honestly i think it's lacking like really? um yeah like there's wow. there are quite some co-working spaces and uh, and things like that but it's like most of the people like when you travel abroad and you go to like a co-working space then you meet like a lot of people that have uh the evening off and and they just want to like go for a beer or something or enjoy the uh, the new conversations or the making new friends and in the netherlands that's not so much the case because like everyone lives in the city so everyone leaves at night uh so it's less fun to like um or a little bit harder i think to meet new people in co-working spaces okay okay uh the co-working space that i've been you know to uh, I felt maybe like that as well. Everybody is kind of doing their own thing, you know, and then when the evening comes, people leave. But then I thought like, you know, what the heck? There is meetup.com, obviously, you know, meetup.com and some other events geared specifically for startup community. So you can go there and meet people, you know, but okay, good, good. So, you know, Amsterdam is great, but uh, could be better, right? Startup wise, community wise. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah, could be better, but it's like it's a great city. Like I love it, and it's yeah, you have so many things to do. So if you if you are bored or you want to have an event, you just go to whatever event is uh, is next week. So that's yeah, that's great. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Amsterdam, I think, is uh, situated in a, in a good location when you think about Europe in general. So from there, once, you know, the skies are clear, you know, it's not so far away if you want to travel to UK. Maybe again, that's a problem since, you know, they exited the EU. So we don't know how that works. But I guess, you know, it's a pretty nice place. Uh, the only thing that kind of bothered me about Netherlands and Amsterdam specifically is just enormous renting costs, you know, like the living costs there in Amsterdam as a tourist. I'm, I have experience only as a tourist. Like one of the most expensive hotels and stuff like that. It's just, I, I don't know, like uh, living wise, is it expensive to live in Amsterdam? Like if you are like permanently living? Yeah, it depends how you compare it. I think it's, uh, yeah, equally expensive as maybe uh, Barcelona or something, or it's probably uh, less expensive compared to London or to, uh, to New York. Um, also in size, it's very small, right? Yeah. It's, like, it's a very small city. Yeah. Um, but like, it's, it's more expensive than the rest of the Netherlands, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, but compared to other cities, like if you go yeah, to London or New York, it's probably way more expensive. If you go to like, yeah, other places like Asia or uh, other parts of Europe, it's maybe a little bit cheaper. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like, yeah, it's for me, it's, um, for me, it's affordable as in like, I'm used to the Dutch prices. So that's like, yeah, that's, that's your, uh, your measurement, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But for me, you know, I live in Helsinki, Finland, and it's pretty expensive city and the country is pretty expensive. But when I travel to Amsterdam and, you know, look at hotel price, I'm like, whoa, that's expensive. But <laughs> You know, anyway, that's yeah. yeah luckily, the locals do. don't uh, don't sleep in hotels. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. So, how about uh, you know you as a startup founder? So you have an awesome product, Simple Analytics, right? And analytics, uh, I guess, uh, software as a service product, right? So you yeah. sell it as a software, and uh, basically you kind of compete. I wouldn't say maybe head on but you compete with many other offerings right on the market so there are like server side analytics there are like the big boys you know enterprise analytics yeah. then there is something like middle ground like google analytics and you know maybe like even yandex metrica and all that stuff and then boom you come in with simple analytics um could you tell me a little bit and i'm sure the viewers will be interested to know how did you end up with the idea of creating simple analytics and you know what was the reasoning behind it um well the main reason uh, is that i'm not a huge fan of google um okay. and i you're one of those very good <laughs> i i, I, I think we need people like you i think we need people like you to create you know alternatives because there are no alternatives right like exactly everybody yeah. knows Google and everybody knows their offerings. So if there were more alternative, I think they wouldn't have such a huge market share, but apologies. Exactly. Yeah. But, but that's also how this uh, idea originated. Like, um, I was, um, um, traveling abroad. I think it was in, in, uh, Tenerife. And uh, I was there with my girlfriend and I uh, was complaining about like how I needed to install like this Google analytics snippet that you install for many clients, right? Um, and I was doing like freelance uh, programming work at that time. Um, so I needed to install that snippet all the time. And I was like, yeah, but 
you're all giving like all your visitors data to Google and to Google, yeah. they use it for their ads. Like it's not a secret or something, it's in their policy. Mm-hmm. Um, so they use it for their ads and, and for their other products. So yeah, this doesn't feel right for me. And I, I just was complaining about it to my girlfriend. And then suddenly I thought like, oh, why not make something that doesn't do that? So where the data is actually uh yeah from the owner and not so much uh to like a big corporation that makes other ways of money with it and uh and that's how it was born like um i then worked for i think one or two months um and um uh, built like a very easy prototype it was just a graph it was just like a little snippet um and i tested it with a few users and and they uh, they liked it and then I thought like, okay, I think really this can be something, you know? Um, and that's like when the day uh, came that I launched it on Hacker News, that was like a huge day. Like it, it was on the homepage for like nine hours, I think. Yeah. Uh, it was on the number one spot for a very long time. Uh, so that's how I got like my first customers. Um, and then I really knew like, okay, this is really something that people uh, are actually looking for. Um, and then like I had enough motivation to keep on going and now it's like one and a half year later, I think. Um, but that, yeah, it's, it's super fun to like have this side project and you start it from, um, from a certain mindset where you really, really care about privacy, like not giving your data away, like not having different, um, different ways to make money, you know, and, uh, and yeah, this this felt right, and it feels still very right to do it like this. And yeah, people like it, it seems. Yeah, so if you think about it, uh, basically you came up with an idea, you're like, okay, I have to insert Google Analytics snippets, so w- why not create an alternative, do something of my own, right? And then yeah. uh, create an alternative focused on privacy. But obviously you must be a programmer, right? I mean, it's not like, uh, you just said like, oh, okay, great. And you went to Upwork, created a requirements file <laughs> and you're like, okay, somebody do this for me. So you basically, you know, if you talk maybe a little bit about your background, so basically you were capable of doing it yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I started programming when I was, I think 15 or 16 or something. Um, and I learned it from my brothers. They, uh, they had done it for a few years more because they were older yeah <laughs> and um so i learned it from them and uh could ask them questions and build my first website for my school and uh and yeah did little projects and also uh, got to know what was possible right like in those uh like yeah it was quite some time ago but then you had even like internet explorer that was huge of course Internet Explorer five and six and stuff and uh you can even like uh read the clipboard data of of users visiting your website yeah, uh, which is pretty bad, of course, but Obviously. as a normal user, you would never think of that, right? But if you're a developer and you see it's possible, then you know that like what other companies can do with all the data. So I was always quite aware of what is possible uh, with the web and what you can collect from users. Um, and yeah, then I started studying, but studying wasn't really the thing that motivated me. Um, so eventually after more or less nine studies i think i finished one um but in between like i was always working like side projects or f- for a company like uh freelancing like a, and stuff yeah freelancing and part-time jobs and stuff 
and then um, eventually I was um, working I think like for like I never worked full-time but like three days a week and I did it for a few years um, and then I realized like yeah if I stay in this comfort zone of work um, then I become maybe a little bit of better programmer but I don't really care about being a good programmer I really want to have my own business and make some uh, profit in something that I really care about and that's why I started to okay maybe I should just start my company uh, mm-hmm. simple analytics at the time as well and then maybe I need to stop my current job because then I really have the motivation to get started so that's what I did I uh, I, I uh, stopped working uh, for my boss and then I uh, started this company and then I needed to deliver something in like no time because otherwise I wouldn't have any profit and uh, yeah. couldn't pay my rent. So that's how it, uh, how it started. Good, good. So basically you're a programmer, I guess, right? Yeah. What, uh, would it be fair to say is that you're like more focused on the web or are you like a generalist, you know, you do whatever or are you like interested more about the web? you know in general yeah i like the web more yeah yeah same yeah. here same here i used to do programming in high school started my first business in high school and as well used to do some really horrible php programming in high <laughs> school but that was good enough and i always felt that programming is not the most interesting thing it's actually doing something with it and creating a product and actually looking at people using it like that yeah. Yeah. Came, you know and i'm sure you obviously evaluate your data, right? How many signups, what do they do, which pages are, I guess you use simple analytics inside simple analytics in a way. Yeah, yeah of course. You yeah. analyze your own, you know, software, I guess, and the way that people behave. But uh, so you started uh, working on the product. How long did it take you before you had something that resembled a working, uh, you know, product, something that you could actually, you know, ask money for? um yeah like um i think it was two months uh, two months or yeah so two months before i uh yeah like from building it from scratch to uh to launch date and mm-hmm. launch date was the moment where i dared to charge money for it okay um, and that was i think two months maybe i'm wrong but um it's yeah <laughs> so, but, <laughs> but it's, still not a very very long development cycle well, what about you know other things like copywriting? Uh, what about design? Did you do all of that yourself as well? Um, design I did not myself. Like um, what I like to do is like just building the the thing um, completely and then make it make sure it works. Yeah. Uh, and then ask a designer like, hey, I built this thing. Uh, maybe you can make it nice. Oh, That's okay. what I did uh, this time as well. Um, I knew a friend who was a designer and. Um, he has developed uh, or designed the website and then i implemented in a, in a few days and then it was done so i didn't have to do the design myself um yeah which what, i'm not what about very the good text, at. copywriting stuff like that um yeah that's what i yeah that's what i did myself like i'm building the whole product and um not to forget like the marketing of the product which is uh, a lot of time as well um getting it ready for product hunt getting it ready for hacker news um and make sure like that everything is correct for for SEO and and stuff like that. So making it uh, yeah ready for launch basically. So you're I guess a one man team, right? You use freelancers and friends maybe 
yeah you can but you're working alone pretty much so you handle support if somebody writes you know to a support uh, inbox it's you who replies and stuff like that yeah i have experimented with uh with external people as well for uh for support and um for free for freelance uh development i still do it uh which is great and i have like a, a great freelance uh, web developer uh, actually two one that uh, sometimes helps and uh, one that uh, helps me every week um and that's great because then sometimes i can just like chill for a bit and then stuff gets still done and that's a great feeling like the product moves on even if i don't work on it and that's something that i yeah really enjoy because then yeah you don't have to like have the feeling that you always uh yeah need to do something yeah which is i think a common pitfall for yeah for uh, makers or uh, entrepreneurs that are like uh, only by themselves because then you have to do like so much work and that creates so much pressure um so i think it's great to have like some other people around you that help you with that of course of course actually being involved in a few projects and startups i actually decided at some point that i will never start anything alone anymore you know i think it's it's very hard you you know a lot of people can make it work but it's just a lot harder you know combining family you know being sick and all that and then still being able to maintain a business but how, how did you fund your business so you know you quit your job and obviously money stopped coming in right you had something you had to do something so you for two months you basically supported yourself probably using savings right and then or did you have an investor or you know no i didn't uh, i didn't have an investor and i i probably never want to have any investors i like a okay. uh, bootstrap business so just say say yes or no to myself not to anybody else yeah um and like uh for the start like i'm uh i'm still doing some freelance uh, once in a while um and that's just like the the easy money so um you can charge like as a developer um quite quite a lot per hour so then if i do so like one week in one month uh, in the beginning that would be enough for like uh yeah having three weeks time for on working on simple analytics um and i still do that sometimes because then i have some extra money uh to spend on freelance web developers or uh on marketing or whatever which is great because then you can like yeah fuel your company a little bit more and uh, make some bigger investments than just from the, the money that you get from your customers yeah for sure for sure and if we go back to the simple analytics so the core concept right is uh, similar to google analytics in a way that you get a little bit of insight into how people behave on your website what kind of you know uh, how many visitors you have and so forth but the core i guess uh, difference is that it's stored on your servers and you don't share that data anywhere yeah so basically yeah there is no third parties involved and you don't do any kind of like crunching of the data analysis in order to compile a profile for the website and then you sell it to some other like alexa or like whatever so basically that's like the biggest difference yeah that's our that's indeed our our yeah number one promise to our customers is we will never sell your data um and that's for us super important because the data is from our customer that's also why we have so many ways but how you can download your data 
um, get it out of our systems, get it into your systems. Like we don't really want to own the data. Like we don't care about the data because yeah, it's yours and do whatever you want with it. And of course we, we try to find nice ways to represent the data nicely for our customers. But we'll never uh, ask a third party like, hey, um, here's the data uh, and now you can build up a profile or anything else. No, that's not, uh, that's not what our customers would expect and also something that um, would also be in, in, yeah, in a huge contrast with what I think is important with our analytics uh, business. Uh, so yeah, that would be very strange if that ever would happen. Yeah, that that seems fair. I, I also worked with a few government officials and uh, I, to my surprise, they actually denied installing Google Analytics on you know government websites because they said it's against the policy of the government. So it was the first time when actually somebody pushed back and said, no, we don't do that. That's not how we roll. And then I realized, okay, it kind of makes sense, right? It's a government website and you're giving data to American company, you know, yeah, kind of makes sense. Yeah, but it doesn't feel right. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't feel right, especially with nowadays as a developer, you know yourself how much you can actually scrape, you know, form uh, submissions, you know, mouse interactions, you can get GPS possibly, you know, whatnot there's so many yeah. ways you can actually scrape the data and build a profile but uh, in your product what, what i think is interesting is that your whole product hinges on your promise so yeah. you promise there is no uh, reselling of the data and obviously i believe you i think reading your blog posts and your interview in indie hackers and so forth it's like your core I guess value personally as well so your product just kind of fits within your already existing you know values but how do you communicate to your customers that it's not pure words you know do you how can you make it more transparent and believable the policy because nobody yeah, knows what happens on your server yeah yeah so that's definitely um something that uh is hard to like um just promise right like people need to believe you so there's a lot of like building your brand and that's, that matches a lot with like uh, building trust. Yeah. And with simple analytics, trust is like the most important thing that we have to get from our customers. Otherwise they won't, yeah, they don't use us. So um, that's why we also have like quite some uh, content uh, about building that trust. Mm -hmm. So recently I also uh, published a blog post about like what you can do as um, as a business to make your uh, business more privacy friendly mm -hmm. with a lot of tips like what you can actually do and also with like examples also for developers how they can uh, nice. use this information actually in their servers um, and this makes uh, your brand also more um, yeah trustworthy because if we write about it then there's a huge chance that we all actually did it right so that we actually also implemented these about. yeah yeah so we know we're talking about indeed and then um you're building more trust that way by sharing like what you're doing how you're doing it and why you're doing it um and also like on twitter i'm quite active on on sharing insights um also on our uh, open page like we share all our financials uh, public statistics um mm -hmm. so that's also um yeah contributing to like the whole 
transparency okay, what, and what those people say is probably probably true maybe not like you never know for sure right um but that's how we try to build uh, the trust yeah yeah so uh, basically but you have something in the contract as well right when people sign up maybe there is some mention about it not selling it to third parties or or um, did you at the moment i don't think that's the case um like in the contract it says like okay if something happens to your data uh, then yeah um we want to make sure i'm not sure if that's in the contract but that's one of our um yeah rules is that like we don't want to collect data that is interesting to steal yeah. um and of course sometimes just page views can be interesting to steal for i don't know a competitor or something um but we try to like um, collect as little data as possible to still provide value and that's yeah. also an important difference i think with uh competitors is that if you only collect the the, the parts that are uh, strictly needed you can drop all the ip addresses you can drop all the or you can uh, anonymize the user agents and stuff like that and then you have like a data set you can still use and um, have without any cookie banners or whatever um, and at the same time it's not that bad if uh, something goes wrong with it right yeah so yeah if if your uh, employee steals it with it with your credentials or whatever um, it's still data that like i don't know to a certain extent it's not that uh, critical uh, if it's it gets lost you know? yeah yeah so basically uh, uh, that's i think is a very interesting distinction with Google Analytics, by default, they want to track everything or other competitors, right? I mean, like other competing products. By default, it's everything. And then there are some settings to restrict that and this. And in Google Analytics, you can enable IP anonymization, but that requires you to actually change things. By default, it's everything. You know, they just gobble the data. So you have an interesting approach. So you try to collect as little as possible while still being useful so yeah. basically you you obviously collect some information about for example geolocation but maybe you don't collect ips you know maybe you get information about um, i don't know like browsers and what type of browsers are being used but then you don't try to profile people you don't try to match them and say hey this person this is probably a separate person that does this and this so basically your data set, um, yeah, I think it's pretty interesting. Uh, I always wondered why in Google Analytics when you enable, and I've inserted that snippet million times myself, I always wonder why you can't choose what do you want to collect, right? So in Google Analytics, some projects, they just wanna know how many visits. That's it, nothing else. Yeah, yeah, I think you can do it, um, but it's, uh, it's very complex to set up. Like um, it's like, I don't know, Google Analytics has a tendency to make everything possible yeah. um, and at the same time make it unusable for the end user because already if you open the dashboard, it's yeah, quite overwhelming, uh, too much info. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's hard for, for a new user at least to, to understand what's going on on their uh, dashboard. And I think it's the same for, um, for their features, like it's, you can implement um almost everything like you can do server-side tracking and all that stuff which is pretty amazing like you can all do it but like it's not like the defaults and that's yeah. like what what is 
I think super important for all those privacy debates out there and uh, other companies doing like, um, I don't know, Facebook, for example, uh, they say a lot from uh, like something like, oh, there's uh, this setting. And if you go to your settings and if you have like 15 clicks later, you can disable it. So everyone can disable it. And then the European Union is like, oh yeah, that's nice. But it's not like, it's about the defaults. Like if the defaults are to track everybody and then maybe 1% toggles the buttons to something like less privacy invasive, yeah, that's not gonna change the world. We need to have the defaults. And that's why with Simple Analytics, I really care about the defaults and the defaults are super, yeah, privacy friendly. Um, and we also prevent people from abusing our system um, if they wanna use it privacy unfriendly. For example, the events, yeah, you cannot add a user ID with it. You cannot like have a product ID with it, um, stuff like that. So people so cannot abuse the system to track people. So so profiling is harder in your system. If you want to do it, you, you basically can't, or it's very, you cannot, very hard. Or you have like a huge margin of error. Yeah. Okay. 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 That's interesting. That's interesting. So um, yeah, but uh, people are still combating, you know, like for example, because companies are so bad when it comes to privacy now there is a lot of tools right that people and communities use themselves so for example if you look at adblock and many different variations of it uh, then we have things like do not track and then again i kind of feel that companies still don't obey do not track uh, uh, i guess setting in your browser so for example does simple analytics obey do not track yeah by default it does yeah, um, okay. it's it's a funny one because like um, we don't track users ever, so it's it's yeah, but it still feels like it, it sh um, a visitor should be able to disable it. Um, so that's why we enable um, or block visits from people with do not track. Yeah. yeah. So if person has do not track in his browser, and for those who don't know, um, there is a new setting that has been there maybe for like a year or two now in some browsers, in most browsers, I think you can set uh, to, so that uh, other websites will be able to see that you don't wish to be tracked. But again, it doesn't really work. There is like, a, I, I think still you get tracked by Google and they have terms of agreements where it says like, yeah, if you set this setting, then maybe we don't do this, but everything else we still do. And there is no transparency, so you you cannot really check. You you basically have to trust the websites. But how do you feel about uh, people just getting sick of the whole tracker thing and going, especially developers and tech savvy people, just going to you know like an additional add-on to their browser that blocks everything, just like completely removes the whole tracking system from the internet. You know, do you think that's the right way? Um, yeah, the right way is, is a difficult one. Um, I of don't course. have permission to, to say that, but um, like, I don't know, like I, I think a user, an end user um, on a website in a browser, it's like the open web, they should be able to block whatever they want. So they are uh, the one in power and they should be in power because they are browsing the web and they are not choosing whatever tracker they, uh, they run on their website or what, whatever. So they they should be in power. So I think it's very good to um, have ad blockers and block whatever you want. Uh, that being said, or that having said, there's also something like the good side of the trackers, right? Like simple analytics doesn't track people. 
um, and they're just collecting um, yeah statistics page views basically um, so it doesn't harm anything um, if you related to like do not track movement or whatever or that setting um, but it's very it's very hard to I don't know like it's very hard to make your case I think yeah like, then you need some kind of like um, or then the ad blockers need a community where the community says like yeah some are good and some are not so good yeah um, that's already happening you have like a certain list with like friendly trackers or trackers that um, obey the do not track setting is so you have those is simple analytics on the list uh yeah for sure yeah nice. yeah so by uh, on, on that list i don't know actually um but but we are on a list of normal uh track blockers ah, okay uh, but i mean like in the white white list you know like in a, uh, like where uh, where it's kind of allowed because as you mentioned there is community that creates lists of good um you know trackers and i was wondering you know you would definitely want to be on that list right because simple analytics kind of feels you know as a good fit yeah yeah list. yeah yeah i should check that actually i don't know from <laughs> the top of my head okay, um, but, you know you see it's already useful the interview is already useful <laughs> but uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah but you were saying sorry um yeah so um yeah, we'll also say, oh yeah, so the power should be, oh yeah, and the community, um, yeah. they are then all of a sudden responsible for checking who is good, who is not good. And for them, it's way easier to just block every third party yeah. uh, tracker or what, whatever uh, from their website. And yeah, that's too bad for uh, companies like us. Um, but yeah, that's, that's part of the deal. Um, so also that's basically why we started uh, making a, Ad blocker bypass, um, which actually bypasses the, the ad blockers and still uh, gives website owners the ability to uh, to see their page views, and that's also an interesting selling point because like Google Analytics is blocked a lot, like yeah. in major uh, ad blockers by default. by default they're blocked, um, and also like more and more browsers are going to enable uh, blocking uh, Google Analytics. Um, for example, Firefox Focus on mobile and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, so then um, customers of Simple Analytics are interested, like, okay, what's the difference between Google Analytics and Simple Analytics? Yeah. So then they can actually measure how many uh, visits there are blocked. And it can be from 5 to 25% of, uh, of a difference, yeah. uh, depending on uh, what your target audience is, of course. Uh, but yeah, that's that's an uh, yeah interesting topic. Yeah, <laughs> but what you mentioned and, and it kind of you know piqued my attention. You mentioned that you have a ad blocker bypass. Yeah. So basically, if I use ad blocker and I want to block all the bad guys, you are still able to you know get analytics from that view and from that visit as well, right? So you penetrate the ad blocker in a way. I'm just interested. Yeah, but you can still you can still block the the individual websites, but it just gets a lot harder um, because like the the major block lists don't have like all the little websites um, on them. Um, yeah, it's an interesting topic. Like um, it started with like the conversation with the ad block 
uh, people. Like I, yeah. I had a, an issue on the on the ad blocker list, and I just saw like, okay, there's no way they are ever going to allow anything like simple analytics. Um, so then I have to build my own uh, feature um, to yeah to fight this issue. And I don't know if it's super important. Like in the beginning, when I started uh, Simple Analytics, I thought it was super important to uh, have this feature. At the moment, I, I'm not so sure. Like okay. I also see customers uh, changing back from uh, the bypass uh, feature to just a regular feature, to the regular collection uh, script. So yeah, I'm, I'm not really 100% sure uh, what is the best way here. What, okay. what, what do you think? Uh, what I think? Well, I think that uh, if you create a bypass for Adblock, I'm interested in how it works <laughs> because I think that's interesting from the technical perspective. But again, uh, maybe you have a cool blog post about it or maybe that's a good idea for a next you know, blog post. It is, yeah. You know, like Adblocking. Should we obey it or should we try to bypass it? But I guess, um, I guess we should always respect the will of the customer and the user so if the person has this has chosen to you know add an ad block that blocks all the truckers i think it would make sense to kind of obey that and not try to cheat your way and you know still try to get something obviously in simple analytics since you don't track there is not much harm basically the person will be able to see that hey there is one more visitor view or there is one more page view it doesn't matter but I think it, you know, if somebody goes out of their way and installs additional, you know, add-on because something pisses them off, I think it makes sense to kind of respect that decision and say, okay, this guy, okay, like forget him. We're not gonna get any data out of him. That's it. But what actually scares me a little bit, if you can do it and you're obviously a very talented developer, but you're just one person, you know. Why doesn't Google bypass AdBlock, or does Google already bypass AdBlock with Google Analytics, Google Tag Manager? What What do you think? Is there some evidence of uh, them doing something like that? I'm not sure if it's uh, if Google does that actually. Um, like it doesn't seem like they are fighting ad blockers um, okay. this way. They do fight ad blockers in a in a money way, as in paying a lot of money to ad blockers to bypass their uh, ad blocking on on yeah. Google Ads, and not so much analytics. I think analytics, ah, I no. think, are still uh, will still be blocked. Um, but yeah, I don't know actually what Google. I think I think they don't uh, they don't fight it that actively, and it's also like also yeah, a cat and mouse game, right? So yeah, you fix it, and you have to find another way to bypass an ad blocker. Um, to very shortly have. Uh, a technical uh, explanation about it is just like it's basically um, an, a subdomain. So a customer has a subdomain. They can link the subdomain to our server. So we have like a specific server for this uh, this feature, and then we make sure the SSL certificates are uh, are ready and are uh, generated. And then we just show the the uh, proxy. So it basically proxies the, the public script and it proxies the API calls to our main server. Yeah. And that's so that's it. So basically the ad blocker doesn't block it because it's not served from your domain. 
Exactly. So it's served from a different from domain. domain. Most likely customer domain, right? Like yeah. a C name or something, customer just adds and that's it. And yeah. you're done with, oh, okay, that's pretty smart because then obviously Adblocker will not be able to list all of those small websites and it's just too, too tedious, obviously. So yeah. That's, that's actually, I thought it's going to be something um, you know, I, I'm, I'm disappointed a little bit, but not in a bad way. I thought, you know, like maybe you hijack, you know, like DOM object and you are like, you're looking for ad block, you know, maybe in some way in a string and then you do something fancy like dynamic loading, but okay. Well, no, we like to keep uh, things simple. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, it's in the name, right? But <laughs> it's much, much simpler and way more efficient and it, you know, obviously works. That That's pretty interesting. But yeah, I kind of uh, also read a lot about um, Google kind of make it harder for ad blocking extensions to live within Chrome environment, right? There has been some maybe a little bit of uh, pushback. And I think Google developing Chrome is kind of scary as well. Oh, yeah, it's super scary. Yeah, because it's kind of, it's like, you know, because browser is slowly moving towards uh, operating system, right? So you do, uh, if you have uh, things like Google Stadia, you can play in the browser, you have Office in the browser, you have what whatever you want pretty much nowadays in the browser, video, sound. So, you know, Chrome is basically like an operating system and there is even like Chromebooks, right? So basically you have a computer with just Chrome, which makes it an operating system in a way. But um, them developing it and us not really knowing what's going on behind the scenes, not as much, even though it's an open source software, right? But there is still Google juice, you know, a little bit in it that we don't see that they put in the Chrome browser, but not in the open source version of Chromium. Uh, so I always kind of feel, you know, I moved away from Chrome many, many times. Uh, first, it was Firefox. I think uh, after that, it was Oprah. And now I will be trying again, I guess, uh, Edge, since now it's powered by Chromium. Uh, so a guy like you, you know, obviously very interested technology-wise and, you know, ethics-wise in the privacy. What browser do you use? Firefox. Firefox. Okay. Yeah. What's the reason for it? And, uh, like, uh, what is your setup? How, how do you remain private online? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I, I really like Firefox because it's an independent, um, and yeah, it's, it's kind of independent. Like they still get money from Google. Yeah. Um, but they're like more independent than, than like, for example, Google with their whole operating system and their, their phones and whatever they have like way more. So it's nice to have like a smaller player in the in the field that is still building and focusing on the browser and is and it's also like a very strong um voice for privacy yeah um which is great like their mobile browser firefox focus is amazing like it's just like one tap browser you can just browse whatever you want you hit on on throw it away and you have a new screen and that's like how you work and so then you don't have like all the advertisements and all the things all trackers are built in and stuff like that. So Firefox is really doing a great job in, in the mobile landscape as well. And that's also why I like them. And um, as in how I stay private online. Um, well, first of all, you can't. So that's, uh, it's a lie if people say you can. 
um, but you can try to keep yourself uh, more private or more secure. Um, for example, if I work like in a coffee place, I will use a VPN mm -hmm. just because the coffee place cannot read my data. Um, yeah. My yeah, service provider somewhere can, of course, because I'm hosting my server somewhere. Uh, so it's not like uh, a privacy issue. It's more like a security issue, I would say. And on the web, it's very important to have like all those ad blockers and HTTPS everywhere. There's an extension that uh, converts HTTP addresses to HTTPS. Um, and I think that's one of the most important things you can do. And also privacy wise, you can give the data that you want, right? So you can uh, agree to use iCloud or not, or you can um use your real name or you can use like uh, a burner email address um like i'm i'm big fan of uh, an online service it's called uh, burnermail.io and they have like this uh very simple product it's just like you have your own domain name and you can put every uh, email address in there you want and then you get those emails forwarded to your main inbox so you have some kind of filter mechanism but you still have like the um it's it's yeah it's kind of like spam filter on steroids yeah um which is great and all those kind of tools like together i think they will make your life a little bit more privacy friendly but like to a certain extent like your ip address with a vpn still ends up somewhere you know like yeah there's there's always some uh yeah some other side of the coin that, that always happens with uh, using certain tools. Yeah, and I think you said it really, really well when you said, you know, it's really all about the default, right? I mean, like, you're a technical guy and, uh, you know, you can install um, HTTPS everywhere, you can install Adblocker, even though those are not very hard, but then VPN, you know, using VPN, uh, then using like burner emails to a traditional grandma, you know, that will be like like rocket science she's like burner email i'm not selling weed bro you know i i just want yeah. to see my daughter's pictures and there is a checkbox do you agree and she agrees to everything and god bless her soul it's not her fault that she is not going to read 45 pages you know <laughs> privacy document that basically outlines that hey you know we can uh, track you we can do this and this and this and we don't have to tell you much so I think it's definitely about the defaults. And I think it would be awesome if uh, browsers like Firefox had a wizard when you first open the browser and there was a dedicated space for privacy and it asked the customer, hey, you know, like how important privacy to you is and here are some defaults I suggest for you. And then maybe it could enable certain features. So for example, if you're very privacy conscious, maybe block third-party cookies, right? Maybe block trackers, set do not track. So I think, you know, changing the defaults, I think that has the biggest impact maybe. And, and yeah. people vote with their money, right? If they use Firefox and Firefox is number one, Google will be like, okay, well, we have to do something about privacy as well. Yeah, and I also think like, like a funny way to measure if a browser, um, is privacy friendly is yeah. getting uh, getting the numbers uh, behind ad revenue from the browser so i think a few months ago um, there were some new numbers about like uh, ads on different browsers and um, the ads in safari declined in price quite a bit yeah 
um, because Safari is is getting more privacy friendly and more stricter on their uh, on their cookies on third party domains by default, which is great because then you can actually measure like oh advertisers don't really like this browser anymore because they cannot target their audience that well anymore, and yeah that's that's quite quite a funny way to to see if a browser I'm not sure it's it's probably not accurate but it's a funny way to see if yeah, the browser at, at least there is a little is some bit correlation privacy. right there is some correlation mm -hmm. so I think that's very interesting I never thought about it but yeah and maybe in some browsers it's easier to install uh, ad blocks and in some browsers maybe it's a bit harder but yeah that's actually pretty interesting very good point uh, one thing that I wanted to talk about uh, to you about is obviously you being very open with your financials you know here in Finland we're very open about our financials as well you can walk walk to the tax office and you can ask how much the president makes and you will receive his tax return and you can go to a tax office and ask how much a company makes and see their you know financial information but you know many startup founders they aim for that great success for that gazillion dollars that <laughs> will someday just drop from the sky and bless their life with luxury uh, but you're bootstrapping, obviously, you're not looking for investors, you will not accept, you know, somebody's, uh, you know, money and will give away 50% of your company, because I kind of feel your business is your lifestyle, your livelihood, and also a way for you to make your mark on the world in a way, you know, that makes sense for you. But uh, why are you open with your financials? And since you're open about your financials, uh, can you you know tell me how much you make currently and you know what attributed to the growth um yeah so first why i'm open about financials um it, it has like a i think two main uh, reasons or three three reasons i would say um one reason is um if you want to build trust you need to have some transparency on how you work on on um maybe on things that other companies are not transparent on yeah and for me that was yeah important um so and i also saw like uh we saw or uh examples of other companies doing that i was like hey that's cool so you share your data uh in an open way with other people so it was also just cool to do something like that and it's also great because if you share your data open, um, it works marketing wise as well. So people start talking about it. You can talk about it to others. Um, yeah. I do this monthly update with uh, update on the numbers, things that I did last month, uh, new features and stuff like that. So then you have all of a sudden content you can share with others, which is yeah also definitely uh, a part of why I do it. Um, and what was your second question? Uh, how much do you earn now, and uh, what contributed to that? You know, and if, um, you want to, if you want to share the screen, you can do that as well in Zoom, or if you just want to tell the numbers. I'm not that much interested in you know, like, are you rich or not? Because I know you are still scaling up and all that, and I'm not really like, I just am interested what you were able to achieve bootstrapping you know and what kind of things attributed to that growth because i think that's the most interesting i i yeah. i'm almost sure 100 percent that you will be very profitable and if you continue down this path there is obviously a demand for your product so 
but I'm really interested about you not wanting to take any money and doing everything out of your own pocket. So what you were able to achieve is, is really interesting. Yeah, so um, I started um, the open page, um, I think from the beginning or almost the beginning, but I didn't uh, uh, add my profit to it from the beginning. So in October, 2019, I started adding the profit to it, but not only the profit, but also like, what is the hosting? What are the services? What are the freelancers costing and stuff like that? Oh, wow. So then you have like on the, on the slash open page on Simple Analytics, you have this, uh, this chart basically with like um, all, those, all that information per month. So every month I will update it and then people can see like, oh, you are paying a lot for freelancing now and you have more customers coming in or less customers coming in. So people can actually ask you questions about it. Yeah. Um, that's actually the uh, yeah I, I like that about having a business because then you can also learn from others and you can also show others like oh this dude from the Netherlands he just built his company and it and it works like he makes a makes a profit with it um, so it's also a little bit for inspiration uh, to others like I really believe in in sharing yeah sharing your knowledge or sharing your information to help others um, and at the moment, I have like 471 uh, paying customers. Mm -hmm. um, and I started with the launch date, it was like 30. Yeah. So this is like already a number where like, I, I would never have believed that I would have this number wow, uh, at this time. So it was, yeah, that was super, uh, yeah, super exciting to see that number grow. And also like it never stopped really growing. So it's always had like a, a very yeah, sustainable growth. Yeah. Um, which I also like really like because then you don't have like all the issues with um, that you would need to think about like oh if everybody uh, if there's like a whole new group from a certain I don't know uh, a certain um, uh, yeah that, that they want like a certain feature set yeah. and if they would start like in the beginning of my company I would maybe I don't know change something for them and then it wouldn't be great for the others uh, and now I build it like quite slowly and that makes it also way better that you think about what you're going to do, what you're going to add, how you're going to do things. Um, so that's also what I like about like this, this kind of growth. Um, and what contributed the most, I think is, um, yeah, it's very lame to say, but it's like being out there like sharing your content sharing what you're doing uh, let people know that you're doing what you're doing and why you're doing it um and also like certain like growth hacks like i don't really like the term growth hacker yeah, yeah. um but it's very so popular <laughs> it is popular but like it, it feels like you're um i don't know you're you're tricking people into selling something and that's yeah. what i don't like about it so, but you have so like uh, within Simple Analytics, we have like uh, the feature we had from the start uh, where people can make their dashboard public. So then everyone can visit your dashboard if you link it somewhere or you can tweet about it and people can actually go through your dashboard. So that's uh, a growth hack, right? Because that's basically a growth hack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I guess, um, let's say growth hacking, if, if we consider it a bit a no-no, then I guess it was an effective marketing strategy, right? To kind of loop back, uh, like link back to your product and say like, hey, 
Like you can see this dashboard, people see the dashboard, but then like, whoa, cool. What was used to make this dashboard, right? And there's somewhere in the bottom, you have powered by simple analytics. And yeah. that brings you a lot more visibility. Uh, maybe it brings you a little bit of link juice, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And also like um, people can embed uh, their graph also on their own website. So it's okay. easy to um, get your yeah, data on your own open page, for example. Oh, cool. Um, which is also that contributes to the same things like people getting back to the platform. Um, and also it's also important that um, to notice that like if people do that, also reward them for it. So what we did is um, we have this uh, affiliate program so people can just like create their own affiliate link. And then if people go through that link, then they uh, will get like a month for free and uh, the customer itself will get like a month of uh, reward. So just in, in US dollars. Um, and then also like if they share their public page, um, people don't know about if they have a referral link or not. So what we do is like we replace like the sign up button we have on the open page for those customers with their referral link so that people can actually ah, okay. uh, so get money for it as well. It. They're motivated to share it and you kind of reward them for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So it, it, it works a little bit both ways and, and those things, yeah, contribute to, to growth. Um, but I think what, I have, what works like short-term uh, blocking works very well. Yeah. Uh, but now we also see like a lot of traffic comes through Google. Um, so that's, that's a big, uh, big source for us. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like a, a huge combination of all different things, right? Yeah, so I obviously heard about you the first time when I read the interview in Indie Hackers, even though I sent you an email that you considered very impersonal, which was really <laughs> funny because I actually, and, and I don't mind at all, it was wonderful. It's just that, you know, I actually researched you, your company, and then I sent you an email and you're like, well, that's not personal enough, you know, and it was true because I used the template in Gmail and I was like, damn, Artem, you know, you've spent all this time and now it's all wasted. So I'm really, I'm really glad you actually, you know, replied and, and said like, hey, you know, what's up? But what I was Yeah, your second, your second email was great. Like, yeah. it, it was great. So that, uh, so you, you <laughs> that was an easy choice. That I took the time and, you know, actually learned about the company. But for me personally, it was really interesting what, you know, kind of uh, spoke to me in a way is that in the interview that you had, uh, you mentioned all the, like many different things that you did, right? Like Product Hunt, you launched on Product Hunt. Uh, you talked about um, uh, Hacker News, right? Being there for like, I think nine hours you mentioned, right? Being yeah. There in, in like, that's all great. I also read about you uh, having a free account, like free, like free version of the product and you scraped that pretty quick. Yeah, right? I chickened out. Yeah, you chickened out, but again, uh, I think maybe, you know, maybe for a good reason. I think nowadays kind of everybody is premium. So I think it makes a lot more sense when you actually have a free maybe trial to a paid version. I think maybe that makes sense, right? When person has already inserted his credentials into Stripe and then you offer him like a seven day trial so he can see how it works and then make a decision to stay or not. But again, you know, you've tried many things, but what is interesting to me is that your product is so easy to market, so easy to market, but maybe it will go against your, your philosophy. If you go to, for example, AdWords, 
or in Facebook marketing and you just choose, you know, people uh, who like Google Analytics and then just target those and say like, hey, um, you know, wh why not stop giving your data to the big guys? Why not, you know, take ownership of your data? So have you considered paid advertising or is, you know, using tools which utilize profiling is kind of against your, I guess, moral compass, would it be? Uh, yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I thought about it, especially in the beginning. And um, I'm, I'm still happy I didn't do it. Like, I don't really like paid advertising because it contributes to this whole... Ecosystem, yeah, I don't right? know. Like tracking ecosystem and exactly and so forth. Yeah. So it would feel wrong to like uh, at, the, at the same time say like, oh, tracking is bad, and at and the same time also using it, like yeah, using then, it for ads. And then in your monthly report, it would say like Ad AdWords costs, you know, like four thousand <laughs> euro, and people yeah. would be like, come on, dude. <laughs> yeah. So I have I have tested it on uh, on DuckDuckGo because that's the one search engine that doesn't track you. And also their ads are just served based on keywords that you type in. Okay. So it's not like uh, privacy invasive. So I, I have tested it and that didn't really work. Like I didn't get like a lot of customers through that. Um, so I stopped doing that and focused more on like the long-term investments as in like get your name out there in SEO wise as well. Um, and then you get organic traffic, which is free and yeah. way way better because people like organic traffic more than the the, the crap on top yeah yeah it, it converts the best right i mean it yeah. converts probably the best if somebody finds you through a blog post about privacy and then they're like okay this guy is obviously or this company is obviously like a thought leader in a way maybe in privacy so let's see what they got and so forth and they are a lot more trustworthy uh, but um about going back to your financials, uh, what is your revenue now, if you don't mind me asking, since it's all, you know, public anyway? Yeah, it's all public. Um, so I'm just reading it from the screen. Um, so the yearly recurring revenue is, uh, or annual, is uh, 80k at the moment. Yeah. Um, and then divide that by 12 and then you have the monthly of 6.7k yeah, uh, per month. Yeah. So if you think about it, uh, to what point do you need to get money wise? So I wouldn't, again, I, I hate the whole idea of, you know, creating unicorns and, you know, have, having a billion dollar company. I myself don't even identify with that. I kind of feel it's stressful and it's just after a certain point money wise, you know, what another million going to do to you. But I think um, a lot of people are like you. They just want to do what they love with people that they care about and make enough money so that they can support their dreams, uh, their ambitions, can give a little bit to charity and support kids and stuff, basically. And I think you kind of fall into that camp, right? I mean, if your, if your product will be a huge success, you will not be against it. But at what point would you be happy, like money-wise? You know, at what point you would be like, okay, I can take a breather and maybe go on a holiday? Um, yeah, I can already, basically. Okay. Because I'm I'm happy with the revenue I get now. Um, the only thing is that I, I pay quite some of it to my freelance web developer. Um, and I also care about our long-term relationship. So I, I want to uh, keep him on board for uh, yeah a long time. Um, so what would happen with more revenue is that he can work more days. 
uh, and I can work less. And what I'm doing now is um, I'm working now two days a week on simple analytics. Okay. Um, because I have some uh, freelance project at the moment, uh, which I also work two days on. And I have then still one day uh, of free time and then the weekend, of course. And when I started doing that like a few weeks ago, um, it felt so great to just like have time off and stop working, stop thinking about your business. Because if you're working only on your own business, you're, you just get like your head is just like half, half is your business and half is maybe the rest of it. Yeah. And that's not a healthy um, uh, mind. Yeah. So I'm even, um, yeah, after this freelance project is done, um, I will not uh, going, I'm not going to work like five days a week. I will work three days a week because my customers don't really know the difference. Like I'm still yeah. building features. My developer is still building features. Um, I'm still focusing on marketing, but why, why not do it in three days? Like it, it is possible, right? You have your own business. You have all the freedom you have. So I'd rather work three days than getting this next million uh, on my bank account. That's actually wonderful. Um, for me personally, I also have an e-commerce business, you know, and I try to grow passive streams of income where I will be able to choose how much I work, you know, because I guess you're also a person who wouldn't want to just chill seven days a week. You know, you still want to stimulate your mind, right? Oh, Do yeah, for sure read maybe you know write blogs you know and you know solve challenges that you have technical or otherwise but at some point i don't know how old you are and i don't know if i can ask you but how old are you 31 31 oh my god i'm so much older than you <laughs> how old are you i'm 30 i think six or seven i'm not sure because <laughs> i always tell my wife you know uh, there was a funny story i actually told my wife that I'm so old and I said to her that I'm 36 and she said that no 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 you're actually 35 and I'm like no 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 I'm 36 and then she showed me you know and you know made me believe that I'm 35 at that point I I, I felt like whoa I got an extra year you know like <laughs> I can do all this stuff you know there is so much you know opportunity for undone work but anyway yeah so for me personally i guess the balance work and life balance is so important especially when you get away from 20s right and you start relationships and you get to meet awesome people you get to travel see friends and you realize wow you know for me i think uh, you know it's not like for example with already like three four thousand euros even if you live in europe you can live a modest but good life and if you work two three days a week you most likely will be overall happier compared to somebody who, for example, works seven days a week, gets like 20 million, but then always running, always stressing. Yeah. So, so it's really good to see that you're, but, but again, let's say if your turnover or revenue monthly will be like, uh, let's say 20, 30 K, you know, maybe you will have some staff, right? Working for you, maybe support person, a developer full-time and uh, maybe you will devote more time to kind of like privacy advocacy and research and maybe you know take on like do you want to take on maybe another challenge or is simple analytics your only thing for a foreseeable future um <clears throat> well i wish i i um well I've, i have plenty of ideas in the privacy landscape so there's so much to do there's so mm. many areas that are not covered with privacy friendly tools 
Um, so I'm definitely gonna do that at some point. Yeah. Like doesn't I, I don't know when? Maybe in in a few months. Maybe in uh, in two years. Yeah. Um, so I'm definitely uh, yeah working on something like that as well. Um, but yeah, um, also <laughs> also funny about your age though. I had it also for one year that I said it wrong. Oh really? <laughs> so I know how you feel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But your number is not as scary as mine. Well, I guess mine is it's five years different. Well. Yeah, ah, yeah. It's, it's not so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. But uh, if you think about it, uh, also what I wanted to ask you, and we're you know soon finishing up. It's been a really, really good hour. One of my favorite interviews. But like, how are you planning to scale? What I'm, what I'm just thinking that as a you know programmer, I guess wannabe programmer nowadays, a little bit of Python here and there doesn't maybe count, but um it counts yeah okay thank you thank you <laughs> i feel better now but anyway um so what i'm trying to say is that the more views you will have right the more people will use your software you will have to have more capacity so are you hip on new technologies like uh, lambda and serverless you know uh, technologies that for example amazon offers or are you like old school in terms of infrastructure because i think one of the very important uh, parts of your software is the data center, right? Because yeah. even if you say that we don't sell, but if there is like DMCA takedown or if there is some infringement, whatever, I don't know. And, you know, cops, you know, walk in and grab the server. There is not yeah, much you can do. If they do it and then, uh, then they're pretty stupid because the, the servers are encrypted. Okay, um, so you do encrypt your data. Yeah, yeah. So the, the servers are encrypted um, as long as they are uh, running there unencrypted, of course, or decrypted. Yeah, of course, yeah. So if the cops come in, they should keep the servers running and then they can maybe uh, yeah, get some data out of the memory, I think. Um, there are even companies that are like um, gluing like the, the memory to the motherboard and stuff like that to prevent this kind of behavior. Um, but there's like, yeah, it's kind of, there are some limits on what you can do, right? Like I cannot walk in the data center and do something like that. Um, but I can like, uh, get my own server. So I have like, um, um, bare metal servers, uh, fully encrypted. Um, and Where there is it, uh, web in the Netherlands. Okay. Okay. I, yeah, I'm not familiar with LeaseWeb. They're pretty good and pretty affordable, right? Yeah, like they're not, yeah, they're not super cheap, but they're like affordable indeed. And their service is pretty great. Like uh, I, I had some issues with it and they were uh, yeah, pretty fast with responding and technical help. So that was important for me. Um, I also had like uh, my servers in Iceland. Uh, I would not recommend that uh, to other companies that want to be privacy friendly um, because Why? it's, yeah, the, um yeah the servers there were not like as up to date as the servers here okay. um and also the yeah the, the companies were not that big so i was hosted or i hosted with the biggest company in iceland um and they still uh were running hard drives and stuff like that instead of ssds so it was just like yeah i'm not i'm not gonna gonna stay here and i also asked my customers like hey you want to vote on if, if you are okay if we move our servers out of Iceland and move them back to the Netherlands. Um, and they all, all said, yes, this is fine and, uh, and go for it. Uh, because that's very important to us, like 
where is the data where yeah. is it hosted who has access to it um, so that's also why we asked our customers about it uh, and yeah we are very happy with lease web um, and one thing to say about like uh, using the latest technology and stuff um, I'm personally a, a big fan of using stuff that's out there for uh, some time. Um, so for example, for Node, we use like the, the long-term service uh, uh, versions, same for Ubuntu and stuff like that. Um, and also a little bit programming wise, we don't want the latest, newest, hippest uh, React or, or stuff like that. Uh, we use like Vue now a little bit here and there. Um, but we don't really care about like what is like hot right now. We care more about like what will bring uh, or help us us further. Like for example, um, we were running into issues with uh, Postgres a little bit for our analytics. So now we're working on an Elasticsearch engine that will uh, uh, yeah have the data way faster than we had before. And before that was not needed like we didn't have like this relationship between like certain elements of our um, analytics and now we have and now we wanted to add it to our dashboard so now we are going to do it but we're already around for like one and a half year so i think it's great for developers that, that are going to start something and work on something or building a company use the tools that you know and then see if you get traction if you get traction great then you can do whatever you want but start with what you know, otherwise you will probably not finish your project at all. Yeah, yeah, and if you think about it, a lot of people you know, say that, for example, PHP is horrible, and myself, I moved away from PHP as fast as I could, found Python and thought that it makes sense for me. But then there are entire companies, successful companies that use PHP and are really, really popular. In the end, customer doesn't care one bit. If it works, no. it works. And you know, you can make any web, you know, programming language work, you know, I mean, I still can't wrap my head around JavaScript, it just, it, for some way, it doesn't click in my head, I, I'm still kind of a, a back-end guy myself, I like the servers, I used to run FreeBSD when I was younger, and I liked it way more than Linux, and then, you know, Linux kind of overtook the server market, and I'm still missing my little old FreeBSD <laughs> box, but thanks, thank God we have things like Raspberry Pi and stuff. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but that that's really, really good. So Adrian, you know, this has been amazing. It was really, really fun. And I really appreciate you being on the podcast. I will have links to Adrian's blog and obviously to Simple Analytics in the description below. And uh, yeah it was really really good i really appreciate you coming on yeah thanks for having me and i really liked our conversation you had great great questions um and it also started uh, i started to think about like yeah about for example the the adblock list for uh for do not track uh, companies and stuff like that yeah i uh i will uh i will do some of that as well so thanks thanks also for your good question thank you very much and one thing if I would do if I were you, you know, um, from uh, as a marketer, you know, I think, you know, like a podcast about privacy on the web, that could be really cool. That could be really cool, you know, because uh, people who are interested in it, you can get a lot of backlinks, uh, you know, from iTunes, from Google directory and like in general, like what's happening and, and the field is changing so quickly, right? There is always something going on. There is something to talk about. And since you are already invested 
in the field and you're motivated, I think you'll be a good person to have something like that. So maybe it's something to consider as your next growth hack. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you very much again, Adrian. It's been a blast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. See you guys. Take care.